0: This is The Shameless Mom Academy, episode 176 with Nicole Nordeman. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 176. Welcome to The Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. In addition to being a shameless mom to Charlie, age 14, and Pepper, age 9, Nicole Nordeman is an award-winning singer-songwriter and acclaimed worship leader who just wrote her first book, Slow Down, Embracing the Everyday Moments of Motherhood. The book is based on Nicole's song, Slow Down, that pulled the heartstrings of mothers everywhere with 14 million views in five days and has now exceeded 21 million total views. Nicole's viral video showcased the reality of how fast children grow and why it's important for parents to be intentional. In her book, Nicole discusses the heartfelt feelings and memories of parenthood. It is filled with stories, song lyrics, photos, wisdom, and encouragement. Nicole encourages parents to be intentional and slow down so that they can truly appreciate the beauty and joys of raising children. Nicole and I had a really enlightening and powerful conversation about the joy and the pain of parenting. I will fully admit that I did some stalking of Nicole before and after our interview, and I've just totally fallen in love with her music and her writing and the way she can put words to life's circumstances in such a powerful and beautiful way. So I'm very, very honored that she made time to come sit with us in the Shameless Mom Academy and share some of her wisdom and beauty. This interview holds a lot of treasures, so I do hope that you love them all and that you listen carefully and closely and walk away with some really valuable take-home messages. In this interview, Nicole is going to share how to step away from the traps that pull us out of our own reality, why it's okay to be okay with average, the actual steps that we can take to slow down and live more intentionally, how to manage emotion around the limits of our precious time in motherhood, how to manage the inevitable pain and inevitable joy of motherhood, and the importance of always maintaining your own identity outside of motherhood. So I really love this interview. I thought it was a really special conversation. and I'm so excited to share it with you. So let's go ahead and dive in with Nicole Nordman. Nicole Nordman, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I am so delighted to have you here today.
1: Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be with you. So tell me a little
0: bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. And what are you most excited about right now?
1: Well, you know, I've got a new project that's just been out a couple months, a new album. And, you know, I'm just about to hit the road and get to perform some of these songs live for the first time, which feels really special to me. I don't know. There's something about being a songwriter. Your songs kind of reflect different seasons in your life, like almost like going back and reading a diary about where you've been. And so this little collection of songs, these little diary entries feel really special. And I'm, I'm just ready to get to share them in a live performance with a lot of people.
0: I have to tell you, and I mentioned this in a little bit in our pre-interview, but I was not familiar with your book or the song that goes with it. And in getting ready for the interview, I learned that you have this like massively viral video and song that goes with your book, Slow Down. Yeah. And I went and looked it up on YouTube and was crying through the entire song. It's such a beautiful song. It's such a beautiful video that I think any mom would just want to sit and watch over and over again and then try to recreate with their own video camera. Right. So I'm grateful you put it out into the world.
1: Well, thank you. It's such a special song and was such an accident. I really didn't have any intention of recording it and sharing it with the world. It was meant to be kind of a gift for my son his little fifth grade class asked me to sing at their graduation party a couple years ago or their graduation ceremony and I was just sort of brushing up on some older songs that I thought would be appropriate and that were familiar and instead I just you know made the grave mistake of pulling out photo albums of when he was a baby and you know going through all those first step pictures and first lost tooth and first words and I just lost it. I was sitting at my piano the night before this graduation. And I just thought, how do I have a middle schooler? Like, how did we get here this quickly? He was just a baby yesterday. And so this song, you know, just kind of spilled out of me really in that moment. And I ended up singing it the next day at his little ceremony. And then I played it for somebody at my label. And they said, you know what, that is such a universally felt emotion by parents. hmm. Just the panic that's to slow down time because our kids grow up so fast that I think it would really resonate. So we made the decision to record it and do the video and now the book. Oh my gosh.
0: I think, you know, the song would have touched me at any time, but I think that it was especially touching because my son is in pre K and I've been thinking a lot about kindergarten. And I was actually on the same day that I watched this video, I had been having these thoughts of like, when he goes to kindergarten, And then he has like after school activities. Does he even need me for anything anymore? (laughs) And and so to be thinking that and then watching the video, I was like, oh, my gosh, like (laughs) they do grow. (laughs) And for me, I'd spent a lot of his early years thinking like, this is so hard. When does time move faster? And now I'm like, no, no, no. I want him to need me forever. So the song really resonated because of that.
1: I think that's so common. You know, we just spend so much time, especially in those little, little years, you know, where you just feel like it's never going to end. I'm never going to sleep again. I'm never going to care about mascara again. I'm never like, this is my life forever. He will have a pacifier when he's 18. Yes. He's <laughs> yes. And we, and then of course we just daydream about a little more independence for them and for us, you know, getting through this phase or getting through this stage And then suddenly we find ourselves there, you know, I've got an eighth grader and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you want to talk about independent? Like, and it's all so natural and right. He's separating from me as he should, and is learning how to think his own thoughts and do his own things and make his own goals. And there is this panic, like you used to rely on me for absolutely everything. And with every passing day, I have to surrender a little bit more of that. And it is really painful. (laughs)
0: So it doesn't get easier is what you're saying. Oh,
1: so, you know, I think that you trade physical exhaustion. Those early years where you never sleep or shower, yeah. you trade physical exhaustion for, I think emotional exhaustion. Yeah. Cause now we're talking about heavy stuff and did I do teach him well enough? And does he, and I worry about character and I'm concerned right. about friends and like pretty soon he'll be driving, you know, just all this stuff. So I, no, I don't think it gets easier. I think, <laughs> it just
0: changes what yeah. we what keeps us awake at night changes. Totally. Yeah, I can already see that. So tell us a little bit about what is your full family situation?
1: So I'm a single mom. Okay. I have a 14-year-old, Charlie, and my daughter Pepper will be 9 in just a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. So we are in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have been here for gosh, coming up on 8 years. I can't believe that. I was in Dallas before then, moved here and went through a pretty painful divorce but feel like there has been a lot of healing and redemption on the other side of that. So we are in a really good place right now, I'm happy to say.
0: Oh, that's so great. That's so great. And yeah, you are like on the precipice of a lot of with ages 9 and 14. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of yeah. things are about to start happening.
1: <laughs> oh, they are happening. They really are. <laughs> You know, when I was a young mom uh, with the young young babies and I would just find myself lost in sort of the internet trap, like mm. Googling all these articles and trying to figure out like, why is he not doing what chapter three says he's supposed to be doing, <laughs> you know, in terms of sleeping through the night or, you know, all the milestones, like we are yeah. just so information hoarding, really. Yeah. And, you know, I had a dear friend kind of say to me in the middle of that season when I just could not stop asking for enough advice or researching all this stuff, She just said, Nicole, God has given you every tool that you need to be Charlie's mom. Like there's nobody else in the world that he chose to be Charlie's mom other than you. So you have the tools. You're going to figure this out because God's equipped you for it already. So I find myself reminding myself of that even now in these preteen years where I'm like, oh my gosh, and I'm looking up internet safety and I'm Googling this and that and all the things that come with this age. And I just have to rest, like, research is good, diligence is good, but God has equipped me to be his mom. He always has intended for that to be the case, and he always will, and, like, I've got this. So that's been advice that's kind of carried me through every stage. I love that.
0: I imagine that makes it so much easier to exhale and surrender a little bit.
1: Then to put the books down and to close your laptop and just be like, we're going to figure this out. Like, God's got this. Yeah, I really love that.
0: You wrote the song, and then Tell me about the inspiration for the book and how that worked hand-in-hand with the song.
1: Well, I think I was so surprised, although I shouldn't have been, because it is such a universally felt emotion, uh, wanting our kids to slow down and wanting to freeze time. But I was just so shocked by the reaction and the response. The video went so viral so quickly, and it was just like this tsunami of parents saying, me too, me too, me too, you know, I'm there too. So I thought it sort of sent me back to just my own reflections on parenting. And I thought, I think I have some things to say that don't fit in a three and a half minute song. I want to reflect on those early years. I want to reflect on the current years. I want to look at all of the peaks and valleys and just write about this messy, beautiful experience it is to be a parent.
0: I love it. And I think that The name of the book. I love that, like, you know immediately exactly what the book is going to be about. And it's also what we all want at a certain point in parenting. I'm not saying, like, you know, there's times when you don't want things to slow down, but there's a lot of times when you do want things to slow down. And I think that when you look at the book cover and you're like, oh, yes. This is exactly what I need. Like I know that <laughs> I need some like space and grace around this idea of slowing down. So in the book title, Slow Down Embracing the Everyday Moments of Motherhood, I know is something that as we've already talked about, as you move through transitions, those moments just become more and more, I think more powerful and impactful because you realize how fleeting they are over after yeah. a while.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really where I landed in the end was, you know, obviously, we can't freeze time, actual time. And we really can't slow them down in terms of their development and growth. Like, that's not how it's supposed to be. But the very next best thing that I could do is to slow myself down, like you were saying, like just, for me, it's a lot of like, sort of minute by minute, trimming the fat, like, okay, what really matters here? And what doesn't? What can I let go? How can I just really be present in the moment so that I'm slowed down enough not to miss even the small things, not not the things that you put in your scrapbook or put, post on Instagram, but like just the everyday tiny small things. I don't want to miss any of that. And so slowing down for me means kind of saying no to a lot of other things that are pulling from my attention all the yeah, time.
0: yeah. That's something I've really been thinking about recently and talking about to some extent, too, is I think that we think it's really important to give our kids like certain big experiences and like they need to go to Disneyland and they need to have like the perfect Christmas and they need to have all these kind of bigger things. And we think that these are going to be the things that form their memories of their childhood. And what I'm noticing for me, a lot of times it's like having breakfast with my son every morning and sitting at his teeny tiny little toddler table with him that we're both too big for now, but that's where we sit and eat breakfast. And it's, that I think is more powerful than going to Disneyland.
1: That's the stuff that they remember. I read a quote somewhere and I've been trying to find it ever since. I cannot for the life of me figure out who said it, but I love it so much. And it's something like when my kids, when my grown kids come home and bring their friends home from college I hope they don't say, Oh, you're going to love my mom. She folds the towels really well. You know, like (laughs) I hope that the impression that aren't left, please come to our home. It's so perfect. And everything's always organized and clean. And you know, my mom's really great at making our home lovely. Like, I hope that's not what they say. I hope it's like, come home. This is a place full of grace and mess and, Laughter and life, and you know, everything in between. Like, it's just a real place where you can be really fully loved as you are. Yeah, I think about that a lot when I can get hyper, just you know, real honed in on details that don't matter. Like you said, it's the breakfast moments that's the stuff that sticks, not the big fanfare, not the big trips, not everything being orderly and uptight, but just like life across the table.
0: Right, right. My mom talks about my grandma who had five children, and my mom was the oldest. And she said, my mom was always embarrassed because my grandma did not keep a clean house. And when she got a little older, she was like, oh, wait, that didn't Uh matter because her five kids, every single one of them to this day, now they're in their 70s and 80s, they all believe that they were her favorite child. And that was like way more significant than oh. the towels being folded, that she took the time to really just be with the kids right. and be focused on family all the time.
1: Yes, I love that. That's it. That's perfectly it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So give us some practical tips on slowing down. I know you write about this in the book, and I would love to because I feel like we all know that there's a need to do it. But how do we actually do it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think that one of the things that our, our mothers and our grandmothers didn't have to combat is this age of social media, right? So that they were probably comparing their parenting with their neighbors, parenting, or, you know, the other church ladies or whatever, but they weren't on Instagram and they weren't on Pinterest and they weren't like this under this constant siege of comparison and trying to curate your own life to look like it's something that it's really not for other people's viewing pleasure so I think that's one thing that I've really had to just combat in my own life is if I'm really going to be true to my children if I'm going to be true to my calling as a mom like I cannot get sucked into this vortex of everybody else is doing it better or it looks nicer or prettier or whatever like I just can't I am exactly who I am my kids only need me as a mom and not those other people's moms because that's not how it works (laughs) you know and just to like step away step away from all of the all of the traps that are designed to make us feel less than and inadequate so that's a huge thing for me and so what comes out of that naturally is just like i'm a big fan of lowering the bar like i choose average when i can i choose store bought cakes often now that wasn't always the <laughs> case but it's like i want to be part of the party i want to be laughing around the table not creating a moment for other people. I want to be part of the moment. So there's a lot of like just small everyday kind of, well, I could break my back doing this and making it like this alleged perfect experience for everyone. Or I could grab cupcakes on the way home from the grocery store and be a part of the fun. So little stuff, you know, just
0: lowering the bar a little bit. That's such a great tip. And I think it's like the opposite of being a Pinterest mom. <laughs> like, yeah. And on all the social media stuff. But yeah, that makes so much sense.
1: We've all done that. And I think, like you were saying earlier, like what do our kids care about? It's not the Pinterest projects. I mean, if that's what you love to do, because it's your passion, and you're a creative, artsy person, you are fulfilled by doing that, then that is one reason to do it for sure. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it to try to, again, just be someone that you're not, and, and so that other people ooh and ah, and like your picture, then that is <laughs> The wrong reason, for sure. Right.
0: swear it's like, IEPs, she talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning, different differences and differences in school. Right. How can we be more intentional
1: parents? Oh, that's so hard. I don't know. I think for me and every family is different, but for me, I think being intentional means really sort of checking my motives pretty often. Like what's the moment behind the moment really asking, you know, so am I saying yes to this? to a request because I feel pressure from my child or because all the other moms said yes. Am I purchasing this because all the other kids have it and I'm going to feel lame if my kid doesn't have it? Like just a sort of a constant running thread in my mind of what is, what's the real thing that's happening here instead of the thing that I think it's about.
0: Yeah.
1: And those are, it's not always easy to kind of quiet those little mice <laughs> running around in your mind all the time. But I think it's important to just, and that's part of slowing down too, is just Mm. stepping back for a second and reassessing what's really happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Since writing the book, have you found yourself, and I'll give an example from my life. So outside of my podcasting life, I also own a gym. And so- being a gym owner there's like if I'm eating out in a restaurant and I'm eating like macaroni and cheese I'm like well what if someone sees me (laughs) like I'm always aware of these things but then there's also part of me that's like I need to eat the macaroni and cheese so that they know like I just eat whatever I want to eat sometimes that's right so I'm wondering since writing the book do you find yourself like catching yourself more often in moments where you're like oh wait I need to actually slow down because that's what I preach or I need to be more intentional because that's what I preach Uh,
1: constantly and what's really fun is when my kids Kind of get in my face about it, like and they're silly about it. But they'll be like, "Hey, mom, um, maybe you could slow down for a <laughs> sec," you know? Ha ha. So yes, of course. I mean, yeah. My whole life is preaching to myself, including in the songs that I write and in this book too. Like, it's wonderful to have wisdom and experience to share with other people. But we're students of life. We are not just teachers, and that is something that I really realized when I became a parent. Was you're signing up for like a lifelong class of being a student of life. Sometimes your children are the teachers too, you know, yeah. and that can be really humbling and painful. So I do think, yeah, I am many times preaching to myself, still falling down, still getting back up, still having to learn the same lesson 52 times before I get it right. That's just everybody. Definitely, definitely.
0: Let's go into your music just a little bit. Because like for me, as someone who's been in the fitness industry forever, exercise is a huge part of my identity and something that really allows me to work through struggle and stress and just allows me to like breathe on a regular basis. And I'm imagining music is probably like that for you. Can you talk about what music has been like for you in motherhood and how those two have played off of each other?
1: You know, I've had such an interesting relationship with music. I was such a musical child. I was just that kid that was always in piano lessons. I was a non-athlete. I always wanted to be athletic. I never was. I was a choir nerd. I was a band geek. I was in every performance of anything that, you know, at my school, and church, all that stuff. So music was my joy. It just was part of who I was all through high school, all through college, same thing. I didn't really intend to have a career in music at all. It was just what I love to do, like my hobby. And I knew I'd always do it in some form. And then when I got signed to a record deal, then it became my job. And so I had that very familiar experience of like, you know, they say that your first record is like, you had a lifetime to write those songs. Like it represents you know, I wrote my first album when I was 26, I think. So I had 26 years worth of stuff to say. And then you have like 11 months to write your second record and live just as much oh life as anything, you know. So when it became a, a career and a job and suddenly there were like, oh my gosh, I have deadlines that have to be met. And there's, there are meetings where I have to come and play these songs and show my record label that I am working on things. Then my relationship with music started to feel over over many years, started to feel very like pressure and obligatory. Yeah. And I was so thankful to have a career in it, but I also was like, oh my gosh, I think I forgot to, I don't think I like music anymore, because now I have to. Yeah. Now, now there's like people breathing down my neck about, you know, a contract. <laughs> right. So I went through that stage where I was like, oh man, I need to find love again for this thing, that, that this gift that God has given me. And I took many years off, I put, took about a decade off to stay home with my kids. And coming out of that season, after taking 10 years off of not traveling, not touring, not recording, I did love music again. Like it took me a while to fall back in love with just music for music's sake and not the pressure of creating it on someone else's timeline. So I think that's where I am now. I'm like some sort of healthy balance. Like I still really love it. I feel passionate about it. I love writing songs. If you told me I could never perform again, I would be sad If you told me I could never write songs again, I would not get out of bed. (laughs) That's the main passion. Yeah. Oh, That's so
0: interesting. I love what you said about in your first album, you have a whole lifetime of material basically to curate and put into that first album. And then the second album, you know, 11 months later, like, that's not nearly as much time. So I'm wondering what that was like after taking 10 years off and going through the experience of motherhood. Did you feel like you had another lifetime of content to work with?
1: Yes, I did. I mean, I wasn't sure that there would still be an audience. You know, 10 years in the music business is a lifetime. Yeah. And that whole decade was really when social media exploded. So when I left, when I sort of hit the brakes and walked away from my career, like, I think Facebook was barely even a thing. And I certainly wasn't on it.
2: Yeah. Like we were doing
1: MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> and that so that totally dates me. But So I had to like relearn, okay, like digital music and digital content and, you know, all the platforms on social media and, you know, and try to like somehow go, wait, so like, it's not just about writing songs anymore. Like it's a whole nother thing that you have to, it's a whole nother machine that you have to keep well oiled to get your music out there you know, so that was like a huge learning curve. But I did feel like content wise, I had so much to say, I feel like I'd learned so many things as a mom that I didn't know before, just ways that I was more fragile than I knew ways that I was stronger than I knew. All of that certainly spilled over into to new lyrics and new songs. I can so see how that would be the case. And I've
0: definitely experienced that myself professionally, that My vision as an entrepreneur has changed a lot since becoming a mom. And I hear this so much with other moms that they like, oftentimes they don't want to go back to the same work they were doing before they had children, or they want to make some sort of professional pivot or take space and like rethink things. And I just think it's so trans, the experience of motherhood is so transformative. So I love when people are able to take the space to create something new and to kind of like I said earlier, kind of curate what this new life has meant to them and then yes. use that to put something new and different out into the world um, and really recognize what the gifts from that experience have been.
1: And I think that that's also so well said and also so true because there are so many women who are just finding their kind of their second act yeah. in life in their 40s. Like they lived their 20s and 30s, they raised those babies. There's some independence now in their home with their kids. And suddenly they're like, all right, like parenting is a very clarifying experience. Now I know what is not that important to me. And now I know what I really want to do with the time I've got left. So a lot of women, I think at that age are just starting to roll up their sleeves and be like, all right, I got it now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a woman here in Seattle who stepped away from her corporate job and after her first baby. So she has three children under three years old. my gosh. I know. And she stepped away from her corporate job, I believe maybe either while pregnant with the first one or right after she had her and started her own business. And she now is like just so the business started, I think like a year ago. She's now in Forbes. She's in Inc. She's like in all these magazines. And wow. I watch her on social media. I haven't had her on the podcast yet. She's on my short list for sure. But I watch her on social media and I'm like, holy cow, how has she done this? But for her, she says, she's like, I had a baby and everything changed. Like I could not go back and do what I was doing before. And like, it wasn't morally or ethically appropriate. Interesting. And so it's been really fat. And so she's building a whole business around like women in leadership and, so so cool. And I see that and I'm so inspired by people who really listen and reflect on how motherhood changes them. Yes. And use that because I think it would be for many people and I would be someone like this. For many people it can be easier to stick with what you know because that feels safe and secure. But also over time that can be really exhausting and depleting. Yeah. <laughs> because you are like stifling these little inner voices. And so I'm someone who loves my comfort zone, but I've also learned that my comfort zone like makes me depressed. (laughs) That's right. So I think we need to like constantly be pushing.
1: I think we're in a unique kind of situation too, generationally because I still come from parents who like value that had such a strong, still do such a strong work ethic. Like you don't just up and change your job because you have a dream. Right, of something right. else. Like you have a 401k to pay attention to and you have, you know, you've put in your time and you're working toward retirement. And like, so all of that is still very much, I think in my DNA, just trying to hang on to just the responsibility of that part of my upbringing, like making good choices, but also not being afraid to like dream a little bit too, you know? Right. Right. Okay. This is a risk. I'm stepping off a ledge this is terrifying, but it feels like what I'm called to do, and I've got to do it. So those two things don't always live in, you know, they, they can live in tension, I think, for me. Definitely, definitely. I think one of the
0: interesting things about motherhood is how temporary everything is. And I think when we are young, and especially like for me coming out of a very traditional like four-year college background kind of a thing, it was yeah. like, you're going to have a job and you're going to do that every day for about 40 years. <laughs> And then you won't do that anymore and you'll just be retired. And what I've learned in motherhood and in entrepreneurship too, is that like everything is temporary and everything is constantly evolving. And I was just thinking when you were talking about motherhood a few moments ago, and when you enter into motherhood, that you are there for like, for this very temporary space. And when you're in it, like when you're holding that newborn, you're thinking like, holy cow, 18 years, like how is that ever going to happen? Right. But I'm already seeing with a five-year-old how quickly that goes by. And I've started realizing that like, this is just for now. And holy cow, I have like, I'll have another lifetime when motherhood, motherhood will never be over, but I will have another lifetime, like after my very hands-on period of motherhood. Um, And that's kind of shocking to me (laughs) and a little bit terrifying, (laughs) but it's also really motivating to make sure that I'm doing things that allow me to keep growing and evolving so that I have something when I am no longer needed as a mom, like that I have something that I have some direction and a place to go that I feel good about. And so that's an interesting place as well. And I'm sure you with music and going into writing or writing a book that is not just music, that you are starting to see some of that as well and working in those directions as well.
1: Yes, That is such, I'm so glad you brought all of that up because I think that is also generationally something that hasn't been modeled for us. Like a lot of our moms didn't necessarily have a career. They may have worked, you know, outside of the home, but their main job was taking care of their children. And so when their children are grown and gone, there is this deep sense of like meaninglessness and why, you know, what now? In fact, someone told me recently that the largest growing demographic of divorce in this country is those empty nesters oh, because wow. they raise kids together and they've been in it for the kids in it for the kids in it for the kids and those kids fly the nest and you look across the table from your partner and go what are we doing here together
2: again like right. there's no there's no we mm-hmm
3: you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility and joy.
1: So I think that's really smart to be thinking like, okay, I am a human, I'm a person, I'm not just a role. I'm not just a mother. I had dreams before this dreams during this, and I will have dreams after this, all of which need to be you know, held gently and encouraged. And I just think that we live in such a kid centric culture where everything is about our kids that we lose ourselves so easily. And that's not something we need to model for them either. Like they need to know that we're people too, with our own thoughts and ambitions and dreams and fears. And I was trying to remember when I, how old I was, when I remembered that my mom was a person, when I realized she was like, you know, she's just been my mom. Right. So yeah, always just paying attention to like, what does life on the other side of this everyday hands-on mothering stage really look like? And and it's great to dream about that.
0: Yeah. What advice do you have for moms who are maybe kind of constantly mourning the growth of their child? And how do we rectify that our babies are only babies for a short time?
1: I mean, I'm still finding babies all the way up to 18 years old. Yeah. Oh, Totally. (laughs) You know what? I honestly, this is not like advice that's awesome. I don't think there's any way around it. I think that one of the things you sign up for when you become a mom is just heartache. And to try to control that or keep that at bay or sidestep it or avoid it is just impossible. You know, we're entrusted with these little lives for a very short time. And every day of letting go a little bit more, a little bit more is just, it just hurts. And I think that's just part of, the pain that comes with the joy, you know, there's really no way there's no advice around it. I don't think you just have to lean into it.
0: I agree. And I also I think that's a, a powerful way to look at it, because then instead of stifling all that, yeah, you're creating a little bit of an opportunity to constantly be reflective of where you're at. And so as you have the like you said, the inevitable pain and joy, as you're having the pain, you can be like, okay, like, what's going on? Are we going through a transition? What does this mean? How is this going to impact our future? Right, And how can I keep looking out for myself as an individual as these roles evolve and change over time and through different life transitions?
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think that's so healthy for our kids to see also, like when you can see that your mom is growing and evolving and changing in the same way that you are, when you can recognize that she lets her tears fall freely and isn't afraid to experience or to show fear or joy or sadness or all these things that, you know, in my own family were so buttoned up. Like I just thought she was always so happy and smiling and sort of at the ready with a casserole or a band, you know, like it didn't do me any favors in terms of my own expectations of myself emotionally. So I think real and honest, we can be with our children just like in real time in the present is just sets them up for emotional health as adults so much better.
0: That, yeah, that's, that's such a great point. I love it. Like maybe your mom wasn't actually smiling on the inside every time she made a casserole.
1: Gosh, I know now that she wasn't because now we're best friends. Now she can say, oh, God, that was so hard. That was so hard. How did I don't even get through that. And yeah. I don't remember, you know, I just remember her being like light and love and glitter constantly. So, yeah, I don't think that that's our job is to protect our children from our own emotional reality all the time. Yeah, definitely.
0: I make it really clear that my least favorite time of day is making dinner. So, so I'm kind of the opposite of your mom in that
1: respect. Yeah, that's, that's the healthy
0: though. I think that's great. When my son complains about feeding the dog, he'll be like, I'm not going to feed the dog anymore because I'm really tired of doing this and I'm not going to do it every day. And I will say, I'm like, that's fine. And I get tired of feeding you too. And so I'm not going to feed you anymore either. <laughs>
1: and then the dog will die. And then, right, right.
0: So tell us, what do you want want moms to take away from your book? What were you, was there like a big aha moment or message that you were really looking to get through? Or was it a series of thought provoking instances, instances that you wanted to convey? What, What were you most looking to give to moms?
1: I think a couple things. The first thing is just that moms feel permission at every age and every stage just to be exactly who they are, that there is no shame in going through a difficult time. There's no shame in longing for independence. Some days, there's no shame in struggle. And, but again, as we talked about, like we just live in this culture that just does not paint a reality, just a realistic picture of women first, and certainly not mothers. So I want women to feel permission just to be themselves, take a deep breath, and just to really, really lean into the beauty of who they are with all of their mess and the second thing um, my friend Shauna Nequist wrote the forward to the book and did such a beautiful job and one of the things she says in the forward that was so impactful to me was to encourage moms to not do it alone. She says that she tells new moms at baby showers all the time that she attends just whatever advice you've been given, my one piece of advice to you is don't do this alone don't try to soldier through don't try to be self-sufficient don't pretend like you've got it together when you don't. If you need help, ask for it. You know, you are not meant to journey this by yourself. And asking for help and admitting confusion or depression or, you know, any of the difficult things that come along with parenting, admitting those is not weakness. It's strength to reach out to your sisters and your fellow moms and say, I need a little help here. And I didn't do that. I definitely was not a person who reached out. I went sort of underground and tried to white knuckle it myself. And I missed a lot of opportunities to just lean into friendships that way.
0: I think that is a really, really powerful and important point. Here in Seattle, there's a great organization called PEPs that puts families together when shortly after your baby's born, you sign up while you're pregnant. And then shortly after your baby's born, you get together with people in your neighborhood with babies that were born within a month or so of you. And so it is, oh my gosh, it is like life giving. And so- I did that. And that was so amazing because I had a lot of friends whose kids were a couple of years older than my son. And so yeah. when I was complaining about nursing, their kids were three and they were like, don't worry, it gets better. Just snuggle him a lot. <laughs> like, and I wanted to punch them. Not helpful. <laughs> it was yeah. so, and they all meant the very best, but it was not helpful advice. And so no. being with people who are in the exact same place at you at the exact same time, is so powerful. And I'm lucky to be part of two different groups of moms where our kids are really very close in age. And it is like, it's so humanizing to show up and tell your stories and just feel like you have this team of people that totally get it at exactly the same time as you.
1: I think that is so strong. And I think that idea carries through all the years of mothering. I think one of the, the greatest gifts that we can offer ourselves and each other is just vulnerability and sometimes it requires being the first person to kind of raise your hand and be like, uh, is anybody else struggling with this at home? Because I don't know what's happening to my son's personality and almost inevitably, moms will say, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. I'm in the same boat Uh, where we just went through that last year. Here's what really helped us. Like you just have to be brave enough to be the, sometimes to be the first person to say, is anyone else (laughs) feeling, experiencing this? You know, and people just, once they feel safe and they know you're a trusted, you know, you can be trusted, then- then people will absolutely reward you with that same kind of vulnerability in their lives. That's so important to keeping ourselves supported.
0: Yeah, it's actually become part of my criteria in choosing a school for my child has been like, who are the people, the parents that I want to be connected to? Like, that's actually a strangely and selfishly and also shamelessly. That's a big motivator for us in choosing a school is that I want to be really connected to the parent community because I want that support has been so powerful for me up to this point that I think it's a really important piece of our school experience as well.
1: So true, and you will end up doing life with those families. You will, and your kids will spend the night at those families' homes. And those fingers are far-reaching. I think you're so wise to be so selective about that early on. Yeah, hopefully it all works out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It feels kind of like a big responsibility. Uh,
1: It is. It
0: absolutely is. But I think I think it'll be fine. So tell us, in what ways are you a shameless mom?
1: Well, I think just to piggyback on that last thing we were talking about, like I think I'm just now I'm in my mid-40s and I just now am learning just there is real strength in transparency and vulnerability. And I just don't think that comes really natural to me. I am sort of a card-carrying introvert. I love to be at home with my people. I'm not really a social person. I can tend to just really keep to myself, which is part just how I'm wired, but also can be not super healthy. If it's taken to the extreme, I could just really kind of isolate. So for me, shamelessness means just trying to live like a little bit more wide open with my heart, trying to enter into interactions with other moms, even though it feels maybe a little uncomfortable, but that I know are going to just grow me as a person and therefore grow me as a mom and just not, you know, not apologizing for who we are, who I am, how I parent, I remember as a young mother of young kids like there's a lot of apologies that you do right <laughs> like kid has a meltdown or acts out in a public place. And there's a lot of sort of apologetic eye rolling to the other parents, like, what are you gonna do? Sorry, he's never like this, you know, whatever. Right. Like, it's kind of not apologizing yeah. um, with my words with my face with my body language, just making sure that my kids know in every moment that I am 100% their person, like I am their biggest fan for sure. I love that, everything you just said about apologizing. I actually did a whole
0: episode on stop saying sorry. And I think, and this is, I mean, we talked earlier about like the ways like, do I eat macaroni and cheese in front of my clients or not? So now I catch myself all the time because I'm an apologizer. I catch myself like if I did a whole podcast episode on not saying sorry anymore, I need to stop saying sorry. So I really, it's been something I've really been working on lately and it's very shocking how frequently I say it. Yes, But one of the ways I've really been able to reframe that is by trying to come from gratitude, even though sometimes it's through like gritted teeth. So I actually got an email just the other day from a woman, from a client, and it wasn't, it was, I read it to be a fairly offensive email. And part of and when I and I was trying to be like I wanted to acknowledge her feelings but I didn't want to apologize. So instead of saying like I'm sorry you feel that way or I'm sorry about whatever, I said thank you for the feedback and then yeah. I kind of just listed out some of the boundaries that I had already set forth in a previous conversation. But I think that you can often just say Thank you, rather than I'm sorry. So if someone like if someone holds the door for you, we often are like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not coming through fast enough. You could just say thanks for holding the door. Or right. if you're late for something, instead of saying sorry, I'm late, you say thanks for waiting for me. Thanks for being patient.
1: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, that's a subtle shift, but that is really just in terms of your posture as you yeah. engage the world. That is really significant. I've been struggling a little bit with my daughter Pepper. She is just a chronic apologizer. Mm-hmm. Like if she. You know, I don't I mean not even things that need apologies. Like she just not whisking the eggs fast enough not that even I even corrected her but she's sorry mom I, I'm trying to get the shells pick the shell out like everything is I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry and yeah I'm trying so hard to and I recognize that probably came from me I think that's I think I do it and don't even hear myself do it yeah. 20 hours a day I'm apologizing for something so that is a really I love what you just said about kind of reframing it you just because language matters words matter yeah. and yeah. You don't want kids to grow up you know, kind of in that in that apologetic posture,
0: right? And I think I mean, there's certainly a time and a place to be apologetic. But I also think that when we apologize over those little things, we're just constantly shrinking and making our and we're shrinking, like we're shrinking in our own eyes, and also the eyes of others. I noticed my son doing it too. That's actually kind of what started me paying more attention to this. And he does it the exact same thing that you just said. And I'm like, I really don't think I apologize that much. But maybe I do. So it's really the same thing where I'm having to I try to kind of reframe things for him as well. But he started doing it like at, I don't know, three and a half or four, he would say sorry for weird things. And he would say it like repeatedly, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, I was not even like having an angry, upset, disappointed response to something. And he's saying, sorry,
1: right? Did you see I think it was years ago, I want to say it was a Pantene commercial, like a shampoo commercial, where they actually. The whole commercial is one clip after another of women saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry." I cannot for the life of me remember how the shampoo ties into it, but go look it up because it's pretty powerful. Oh, I will. I will look that up and I'll
0: link that in the show notes for sure. And i will also, I'm going to
1: link the episode that I just mentioned, my Stop Saying
0: Sorry episode. I'm also going to make sure I link your video for Slow Down. And then, of course, we will link to the book as well. Where else can we find you or where else would you like to send people to connect with you?
1: Well, I'm not on all the usual places. Facebook <laughs> is Nicole Nordeman, Twitter is Nicole Nordeman, okay. Instagram is Nicole Nordeman. I do have a new album out that came out at the end of July. And on it, I re-recorded the song Slow Down with my daughter. So we're <gasps> kind of singing a duet together. Okay. Uh, that's just really special and something I will cherish for my entire life. But that, the new project is called Every Mile Mattered. And that can be found on iTunes or anywhere you buy music. Okay, I will link to that as well, then. So everyone will need to go to the show notes now and get all
0: these really amazing resources. So show notes for this episode are going to be over at shamelessmom.com And you can click on episode 176. So Nicole, this has been so fantastic. And I do before I let you go, I do want to do a quick lightning round. Do you have a couple more minutes for that? Oh, totally. Okay, here we go. What is your favorite way to treat yourself? Netflix. Nice. Uh, <laughs> what is the current book that you're reading or the last one you read?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm reading a book. I can't remember the author, but it's called The Chemist. It's just a fictional novel about a chemist in the FBI. It's pretty good.
0: Nice. What is one morning ritual you can't live without?
1: Um, coffee. It's I know that's cliché, but it really It's true. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> you it's definitely true. speak the truth. It's true. Who's your biggest inspiration?
1: That's hard. You know, I again also a cliché answer, but really true for me is probably my mom. Like she's just the most loving, non-judgmental encouraging, kind person that I know. I hope that my kids say half as many nice things about me as I say about her. She's just so delightful.
0: Oh, I'd love that. And I'm sh- certain your kids will say the same things about you. <laughs> oh. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why?
1: Invisibility
2: cloak, for
1: sure. <laughs> it's- totally. Even at the ages that my kids are, you know, they are more than capable of walking across the room to get themselves a glass of water, but it's just such a pattern of like, "Hey mom, can you do this?" "Hey mom, mm-hmm. would you mind? mom 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 mom." <laughs> so, yeah, just to be invisible for a second and not yeah, so they keep, they have to do things for themselves would be pretty awesome.
0: Nice. I love it. Nicole, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really love this conversation and I'm so excited to share your resources with everyone.
1: Thank you so much, Sarah. It was such a joy to talk to you.
0: Thank you so much for spending time with Nicole and I in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I loved this conversation. I loved everything Nicole shared, and I definitely want you to check out her resources. So please do go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 176, and you will see all the different links that we talked about. So you'll see Nicole's website, how you can get the book, you will see where you can watch the video of Slow Down, which, oh my gosh, you'll want to watch like three times in a row and cry the whole time every time. You can also find her whole album, Every Mile Mattered, over in the show notes. So make sure you hop over there when you're done listening. Also, please share this episode. I feel like we had a lot of great messages in here, a lot of really good conversations uh, or conversation points. So please share this out with other mamas who you think might need some of this inspiration today. You can share the episode by taking a screenshot of your phone and of the episode on your phone when you're in your podcast app. And then you can post it to social media and tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy. I'll be sure to reply right away. You can also just send the screenshot to people privately so that they can see where they can get the episode themselves. You can also get a link to the episode by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 176, that will give you the specific URL for the episode. So multiple ways to share. Please do share the episode freely and widely. That always helps us um, to grow the show. It helps me spread the word, spread the love. And it also really helps honor our guests to get them the attention and the love that they need for spending time with me and with you in the Shameless Mom Academy. So I always appreciate those shares. If this is your first time listening, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So if you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe to the the show, you can go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, which will take you into Apple podcasts where you can just hit the little subscribe button and you will get all episodes as soon as they are released. So you will never miss an episode. You will never be late to the game. You will never be like me and have FOMO, fear of missing out of an episode. So make sure to go ahead and subscribe again by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. I can't wait to be back here with you again in a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.